Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right. Very happy Friday to everybody out there. We're going to talk to Matt Baker. Our college football writer, we're going to talk a little USF football with their new coach, Alex Golish, see what's going on with him. Deion Sanders is off to Colorado, and what will Florida do at quarterback without Anthony Richardson? Matt Baker will have all those answers for us. But first, let's get you ready for the Bucks at San Francisco, Sunday, 425. This is a big one. They're all big at this point now. Bucks 6-6 six and six coming off that last-second win on Monday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints. I'm headed out to the Bay Area today. The club will be uh, following uh, later this afternoon as well. You know, we talked to Tom Brady on Thursday, and this is a special homecoming for him, really, going back to the Bay Area. Only the second time in his career he has done so. Uh, Did it back in 2016. He won big there. Threw three or four touchdown passes. And... You know, in a 23-year career, that's that's pretty rare. Now, he was supposed to go in 08. Of course, he played all those years in New England in the AFC. Uh, but then on week one, that's when he tore his ACL and missed the season. So didn't have a chance to do that. As much as, you know, Brady's trip back to New England a year ago was, was uh, you know, pretty emotional for him. In some ways, and rightfully so. He spent 20 seasons there, won six Super Bowls. But in some ways, this is a real homecoming. This is all of his folks. Um, his parents still live in the same house that he grew up in. A lot of his former teammates are in the San Francisco or San Mateo area. Um, of course, the game is you know just down the road, a little closer to San Jose. But there, this is a, a celebration of Brady in a way. And, and what's funny is I, I talked to some of his former teammates – um, the high school coach at Sarah High School where he went to school, a uh, buddy of his that's now coaching there. And they're really torn. This is, this, is a, this is not an easy thing for them. They're all passionate, passionate 49er fans. And, you know, they, they simply can't bring themselves to not pull for Tom Brady. So it's very odd because they live and die each week with the 49ers who are, you know, very much in, in the race in the NFC West. Um, and you know got some problems of their own so but this weekend this is all about Tommy and that's who they that's what they call him they don't call him Tom Brady to them he's still Tommy he's still that kid that you know skinny kid played baseball's really good baseball player at Sarah High School he you know um, got drafted actually by the Montreal Expos but just a lot of memories he's walking back into and it's very important for him to play well you know we talked to him and he said that uh you know, it's pretty unique for him to be there. And he's only had one experience there. And they had a really good team um, and tons of friends and family. And he walked up to Chip Kelly, who was coaching the 49ers at the time. And Chip said, with all the crowd going nuts on Brady, he says, damn, it's like a home game for you. And he said, you know, it really was. But California kid grew up 
loving Joe Montana, Steve Young, going to Niners games. Uh, that's where he first, you know, loved football. He would sit up uh, in in the upper deck uh, sections of Candlestick Park. The family had four tickets. His mom and dad would go. He'd usually get to be one of them, one of his sisters maybe. Um, but, you know, how, how fortunate he was, he talked about growing up in the Bay Area at that time. You know, that was during the 49ers dynasty, and there was great football. Of course, he loved the Niners. He loved them through college, and then he said – when he got to Michigan and he entered the draft and they skipped over him six times, he started hating the 49ers because of the way it went down. But um, told some really good stories uh, about his about his childhood, his youth there, um, just how he was constantly trying to improve his mobility. He was a pretty good athlete. He just couldn't run, couldn't jump either, and you know did everything and squeezed what he could out of his talent. But here he is at 45, still going strong and probably moving about as well as he ever has. Uh, which may not be saying much, um, but he told some stories on himself, you know, running for class president and losing and and all of that. But for him, you know, once the game starts, he's so singularly focused, and he needs to be, because this is a really, really good football team and a great defense, an outstanding, the number one defense in the NFL. They're giving up just over 15 points a game. We know the Bucks are barely scoring about 18 points a game or so. So, you know, this is going to be really tough sledding for them, particularly with the offensive line uh, kind of, you know, in shambles the way it is, still without Tristan Wirfs. You're going to be going up against guys like Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Warner, who's, who's just a hell of a player. I mean, they're, they're loaded at sort of every level of the defense, and, and they get after you. And D'Amico Ryans is their defensive coordinator. He's a really good coach. We know that Kyle Shanahan can do some things on offense, and – you know, this is going to make for, I think it's going to be a difficult game. I think it'll be in some ways, and we know that the Bucks barely got by the Saints. They were fortunate to do so. They did nothing until about three minutes left in that game and scored two touchdowns to win by a point. But this one feels like an even tougher test. And, and that that's not good because, you know, this offense has struggled so much and the offensive line has struggled so much. And when you're having to block the guys that, you know, that that defense presents, it, getting getting a first down is going to be a challenge, trust me. And so they're going to need the defense to really, really step up because that's sort of who has to continue to, you know, kind of carry the load for this football team. Um, it's just the way it's going to be, you know, kind of from here on out. And there, there's just not a whole lot else you can say about it. Um, now, the one good thing that the Bucks have going for them is the quarterback making his first NFL start against Tom Brady is a rookie, and it's Brock Purdy from Iowa State. And Brock Purdy is only about 22 years old. Tom's NFL career is older than the guy he's going to face at quarterback. And, I mean, this is the third quarterback for the 49ers. You know, I mean, they started the, the season. Trey Lance was their starter. He breaks his ankle. Jimmy Garoppolo, who wasn't even really – part of the program in training camp or, you know, even once the season started, found himself back in the saddle, so to speak, as a starting quarterback and played so well uh, right up until, you know, he ended up breaking his foot and now he could be lost for the year. So now they're down to their third quarterback and it's a rookie. And it's going to be, you know, it's, it's one thing to come into the game and he played very, very well when he came into the game against Miami after Jimmy G's injury. But Brock Purdy's going to find that 
there's even more pressure when you get to sleep on it and, and there's a, you know, a game plan and other teams now have tape on you. Um, you know, Miami just decided when they saw the rookie quarterback, let's go get him. Like, let's, you know, bring the house, cover zero, no safety help. And credit Purdy, who is a really cool customer, he sort of picked him apart on the blitz. That's, that's probably where he made all of his plays. Uh, he knew where to go with the football. He didn't get rattled. And I think a big part of that is that I love guys in college if they're quarterbacks. It doesn't really matter where they get drafted, but if they played a lot of football in college. You know, those one- and two-year guys like Anthony Richardson is going to be as a starter generally struggle when they get to the NFL. And, you know, Purdy played almost 50 games and played as a true freshman. That's a lot of ball at a high, high level at Iowa. Um, the, the word you hear for him a lot is moxie. He's got a lot of moxie. He's gutty. Um, he's cool under pressure. And really, like I said, Shanahan's so good at getting the ball to his playmakers that there's a chance that it's sort of a plug-and-play offense. But I still think the nerves are going to be a little, a little bigger, the butterflies. And um, it's up to the defense to try to you know, hold down the Niners early, get a lead. And then if you can get Purdy in a, in a situation where he has to fire away to get back in the game, that's when you're going to thrive. I mean, the Bucks have had, oh, I'd say pretty good success against, against rookie quarterbacks. Um, you know, they, especially with uh, Todd Bowles, you know, sort of as the, uh, the defensive coordinator. Now they've lost to some, you know, some younger quarterbacks or some not so good quarterbacks. And, and that includes, you know, a rookie this year from Pittsburgh. But uh, overall, they've done okay, and, and Brady has done better than okay. Um, he's won like 11 out of 12 or 12 out of 13, something like that, against rookies. So while you're not playing the other quarterback, you have to be have some awareness that, you know, a turnover can beat you. Like the other guy could score at any time, and uh, especially when it's Brady. So there'll be there'll be some pressure on the 49ers, even though uh, they're favored in this game and should be Bucks have to travel all the way across the country on a short week. That's never easy to do. Uh, still doesn't look like necessarily they're going to have Antoine Winfield Jr. back. That's a concern. And another concern is that Leonard Fournette, who played pretty good, I thought, you know, last week. But against the Saints, he's got a bit of a foot injury. So he was out of practice uh, or very limited, at least on Thursday. So that's going to be one of those injuries to watch. So, should be a good game. Um, I would expect a lower scoring game unless there's a bunch of turnovers. That's just sort of hard to predict, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, these these two teams, no doubt, especially at this point, especially with a rookie quarterback, they're driven by defense. And, you know, it's going to be a turnover game. Uh, calls for rain, so that, that would indicate the team that runs the ball better might have an advantage, except for one small problem is the Bucks don't run the ball well at all, and that's you know they're not going to make a living throwing it if it if the weather is as inclement as sort of what people are predicting on Sunday. Now maybe it'll clear up uh, either during the game or at game time, but uh, for right now uh, the forecast is for rain, and out there it's a you know it's San Francisco, so it's kind of it's kind of a cold rain. Um, which which may or may not affect some guys. So we'll be headed out there. We've got lots to talk about, lots of college football to talk about as well. But first, I wanted to tell you guys about a way you can save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems 
for 12 years. Now, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar, the difference is they're committed to you for the long term. Get this. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong over the next three decades, they're going to be up there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the main difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know who is doing the job. Those are Billy Mays guys up on the roof. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, best time of the week, talking college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Matt, uh, our long national nightmare is over. Uh, University of South Florida has selected a head coach. We knew they would, and we knew they would do it by a certain date, and by gosh, they got it done. Um, Not a name I was familiar with. I know you probably had him in in, in your column and in the paper before, um, but he is Alex Golish, and he comes from Tennessee. Prior to that, Toledo, Illinois, Iowa State, Central Florida, of course. And the, the only, you know, at first glance, and look, I don't know, Alex, you've met him, you've talked to him, I've heard him on the radio, he checks a lot of boxes, but his resume would read a lot like the last head coach they hired, and that's, that would be the singular thing that surprised me. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rick. Uh, you are not the first person to tell me that. You will not be the last person to tell me that. Um, I mean, just internally in conversations we had with, you know, in the building and then conversations I had with, with fans in the immediate aftermath. This looks just like the last guy was different. So I asked athletic director Michael Kelly that question. Mm-hmm. First glance, they look very similar. What's, what's your response? Why, why will this work? And so there's a couple different things there. Um, one is, I mean, the, the most obvious is he was in fact the play caller at Tennessee and uh, Tennessee also said he called the plays at UCF. You can figure out exactly how much was him, how much was Josh Heupel. You can figure out your ratios there, but Jeff Scott was not the primary play caller when he was at Clemson. So that's one tangible difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess to kind of explain the other similarities, they were both offensive coordinators uh, under offensive minded head coaches. Both had pretty good, you know, were respected as uh, recruiters in the state of Florida both had been uh, Royals uh, Award finalists as the best assistant in the country. Both were 38 when they got the head coaching job. Both had no head coaching experience. So that's kind of the why it's similar. The other parts on why it's different, I guess there's, there's two things I'd say. One is you, you touched on Alex's career and where he's been. Um, Jeff Scott was at Clemson, and that was pretty much it. I think he had a year at Presbyterian and was a high school coach for a year or so. But he was at Clemson. He had the Clemson way and the Clemson blueprint, where I think his, his binders and everything, he pretty much you know, had them all in a Word doc, control F, find, replace, cross out Clemson, put in USF, and there you go. Um, but what with Alex, he's been different places, right? So he was at Oklahoma State as a GA when Mike Gundy broke through in 2008. He was at Toledo when Tim Beckman and that got, those guys broke through. Um, he was at Iowa State when Matt Campbell uh, and those guys broke through from Iowa State just being bleh every year to being pretty darn good in the Big 12. Then he was at, uh, obviously, Tennessee this, this past couple of years where mm-hmm. Heupel took a program that was not that good to the point where they were in the college football playoff conversation through November. So 
he's done it different ways at different stops. And, and obviously USF needs a turnaround. So he's been able to do it, be part of staffs that did it different ways at different stops, which makes you think he can identify what's up with USF right now and what do I, Alex Golish, need to do to fix it. The other thing that I'd say is the big thing that Michael Kelly talked about was we need somebody who's going to succeed, who, know, who has succeeded and done it in the modern era of college football. So for him, that means post-COVID, right? That's why the whole John Gruden thing was stupid and dumb and never made any sense because Gruden couldn't, hadn't done it. Um, but Alex has done it. So the main difference is obviously it's the transfer portal and NIL, right? Now, Jeff Scott came from a place, Clemson, that very, very seldom uses the portal, like once, I don't think that's an exaggeration. They brought a quarterback back. Um, whereas Tennessee, you know, three of their best players on offense this past year, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, Brew McCoy, the number two receiver, and, and Mincy, uh, one of the starting offensive linemen, those were all portal guys. So he knows how to use the portal, how do we evaluate, how to have success with it. And then NIL is the other part of that, because if USF is going to succeed, they're going to succeed. NIL is going to be part of the picture, same way it is everywhere else. And it, it's hard to pin down who's doing what with NIL because the money you, figures are thrown around. It's monopoly money. You can't confirm anything. But I can tell you the reputation in the industry is that Tennessee is m maybe the forefront or certainly among the schools at the forefront in NIL. Therefore, he knows what it takes to succeed on that level as well. So you kind of put those things together. He's succeeded in turning around multiple programs and his role as an assistant and also has done it in this modern era the last couple of years, makes my, you know, that those are the kind of the arguments that made Michael, plus he's a really smart offensive mind, but those are the arguments that Michael Kelly made in terms of why this might be different and why he was the guy. Here's another one, and I, I think it was important. He's available. He's available right now. Yep. Um, and, you know, in this world of college football, there's, there's a lot of assistant coaches, one that I know they talked to in Todd Munkin, and I don't know, you know, uh, what Munkin's uh, willingness to do double duty would have been, but, but they let him know pretty early on, we need you right away. Um, so did they limit the search because of, of, of the lack of availability of some of, these, of some of these coaches? And who do you think they may have said no to that, you know, that, that Golish was up against? I mean, I, I don't know if you heard whether they're, who the runner-up, you know, it never really matters, right? You either get the job or you don't, but... Um, but I'm, but I'm I'm constantly I'm constantly surprised sometimes by I don't know you know each situation is different right but Deion Sanders can go to Colorado and yet he's still going to coach a bowl game at Jackson State now not the same thing as a national championship game that's going to come up you know in in a number of of uh, well almost a month now but just just sort that out for me because we've seen we've seen coordinators from from national championship teams or from teams that are in the tournament hired before how messy is that they will tell you it was the toughest month of their life and mm -hmm. I, I know that because i've asked people that uh, i'm yeah. pretty sure that's yeah. what kirby smart said um yep. lane kiffin tried to do that going from you know double dipping at bama and, and florida atlantic and <laughs> went so poorly that uh they i don't remember if it was a mutual separation or what exactly but he, he was out was a week exactly a week I think before the national championship right eight days before the title game. Um, Tom Herman did it uh, at Ohio State and, and Houston. Jeff Scott did it with with Clemson and, and USF. So it can be done if you want to try and balance that, but it's really 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 hard. 
Um, basically, what you would want to do is when you're when you're in the building, we are full focused on beating whoever it is in the semifinal. That that is the hundred thousand percent focus. But after you know at eight o'clock, whatever it is, okay, you got to still recruit for for the twenty two for this this recruiting class and the next one portal all that stuff. So the difference is that when your your buddies in the building go and make their recruiting calls to this year's lineman or whatever, you're doing it wearing the different hat. And then you're also calling your buddies trying to figure out okay, who who will be my new offensive coordinator, that sort of thing. So it's a very very tough thing to do, but it has been done. And it, but it takes the right coach to do it and it takes the right job to make it worthwhile. Um you're right, Alex was available um, because Tennessee is not in the playoff. Um, it, some of the other, you know, I'll put it this way. He, he was on my initial list of candidates. You know, what, obviously we were not surprised that when Jeff Scott was fired. We, we were prepared. We had a story ready. And we had a list of just off the top of our head, here are 10, 12 guys that, you know, names you might hear. And, yeah. uh, you know, Alex was on there. And then I did not hear that name again until just before it happened. Um, I don't know if that's just I was talking to the wrong people or it was being very hush-hush or, or, or what exactly. So he, he was somebody that fit the timeline. And the timeline is important, too. I don't want to under, undersell that because, look, the transfer portal is open as of a couple days ago. Um, sure. Within, within 48 hours of the, this portal window being open, there were 1,000 FBS Division 1A, whatever you want to call it, um, players who were in it. 1,000. Wow. And, and that's just, again, that's just in the first 48 hours. So it, there's a lot going on. And, and the new coach, in this case, Alex, has to be able to go in there and not fall behind. He's going to to some degree, right? Because he's got to get a staff and they're going to assess who they need and, and what have you. But every second there counts. Every minute counts. Because if, if that's a minute that you're not recruiting, everybody else is. And just with how crazy this is, that's important. So yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with Michael's timeline in terms of he mm-hmm. wanted somebody by December 5th. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, just given this reality of where they are, I don't, I don't, you know, the, the programs like Louisville that just filled an opening, uh, Purdue is going to have to fill one. They're going to be behind because of this. And it's unfortunate for them and really a sign that the calendar needs to change, but that's not happened this year. He's got an interesting story. I mean, he was born in Moscow. Um, you know, which is not something you say about everybody, as in Russia. Um, his parents work really hard. He, he checked the bingo. I was doing the bingo card in his in his press conference. Going to outwork everyone. Check. Mm-hmm. Not about me. Check. Yep. I know what we're getting into. Check. Stadium is the key. Um, again, that that's USF reality. That's what they need to do. Uh, and and yet, I liked him. I mean, I like his personality. You you know, you don't you don't wish anybody ill. Uh, but this is he he knows the good thing I, I would say about about uh, Alex having been down here and, and, and competed against USF and being very familiar with with the territory. He knows what he's stepping into. I think he does. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, he's about I, I to he, find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things he said is when the job came open, it was one like, OK, we're going to have to look at this because he had familiarity with the program. You know, he's. He was the recruiting coordinator at Toledo, Illinois, and Iowa State, which are three of the schools that typically recruit Florida, in particular this area, better than Mm -hmm. than than most in the country. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. Bernard Reedy, right from from Lakewood High School. I think he had a cup of coffee with the Bucks and Falcons or something. Um, 
Geronimo Allison spent four or five years in the NFL uh, from from Spoto High School in Tampa. I went to Illinois, so he, he's he's been through these high schools before. He knows the area, and he had he said that um, when USF was doing well, I understood it, and when they weren't doing well, I didn't understand it. Well, mm. it's going to be his job to figure that out, and yeah. I, I think some of the issues have been addressed. USF was behind in facilities. We've talked about that. Uh, the sure. indoor is partially open. And it's going to fully open. I think there's, a, there's going to be a, a ceremony early 2023 to kind of formally unveil it and everything. Right. Um, the new locker room, uh, obviously the, all the progress toward the on-campus stadium. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about uh, some of the stuff they've done with nutrition and cost of living stipend and all that stuff. They're, they're, they've made progress in those areas. Um, is it enough? I don't know. Um, it, it just kind of depends on the autopsy of what he and, and USF find on what went wrong in the Jeff Scott era. Was it, we were too far behind and needed to catch up and it just hasn't been enough time. Was it X's and O's by the staff? Was it failed recruiting misses, all of the above? And and then for, for Alex to kind of go in and, and fix that, but he at least has an idea of what he's getting into. And it's going to be up to him to do a really thorough assessment of what went wrong and what's what he has to change because well, it's his show now. Better, for better or for worse, doesn't matter if they, they could have gotten Dion, right? Doesn't matter if they could have gotten Jamie Chadwell, but Liberty Open, none of that stuff matters. He's the guy. And, and for better or for worse, he's going to be judged against Prime Mountain Colorado, Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, and I think to some degree, Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic, which was a name that I thought would have made a lot of sense for USF. Um, USF chose to go in a different direction, and instead of try- hiring Tom Herman, they went and tried to find the next Tom Herman. So we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. I don't have a, a really spicy hot take or anything because coaching hires are a crapshoot. We're just going to have to see. Yeah. Now, that was a puzzler that, that Herman obviously knew that he wasn't getting the job here. I'm sure he was interested in talk to them, but he took the one at FAU. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As far as Sanders, Deion Sanders go, because this is just a great national story as as opposed to, you know, all the nonsense that happened when, when USF's opening was there. And we heard Dion, and that's probably a lot of Sanders people, quite frankly, putting some of that out. Um, no. But, yeah, it's kind of leverage. It's, it's kind of the agent thing that happens. But I will say this. Um, they were never, like, if, if Deion Sanders is Neiman Marcus, uh, USF was shopping at Kohl's. And they, they were never going to get a Deion Sanders and get to that price range. So what do you make of that sort of that, that whole flirtation, if you will? I, I, my understanding is it was over with the first conversation. But on top of that, what about what Sanders is doing at Colorado and, and sort of you saw the press conference. I don't know. I, had, I didn't have a, a, a great positive reaction to it the way some people did, but uh, he's prime. So I guess he has to be himself. He, and he is going to be himself, Rick. Prime mm. is going to be prime. There is mm. nothing anybody can do about it. And, and Colorado knows that. And I think as this, the process went on, 
you, you look at what Dion did at, at Jackson State and yeah. the recruiting prowess and everything. I wondered why he didn't get, like, why Auburn wasn't in the mix, right? Um, yeah. But then you kind of, I, I, I learned to understand it because you're not getting a head coach. You're getting a celebrity head coach. Mm. Where every single thing he does is going to be national news. Um, that's yeah. great for your program, right? You get attention. But it can also be negative attention, which isn't good. Um, right. right. I mean, just look at the, the, the way it all went down, where you know, he canceled the news conference uh, post-game after uh, Jackson State won the SWAC uh, championship. Right. That's, that's fine, I suppose. But that means instead of people talking about your game and, and your, your players getting a chance to talk about winning a conference title, which is a big deal, everyone's talking about you leaving. Because yeah. you post the video of, of you saying goodbye, and yeah. all all that access that that stuff is fine. I, I get it. It's, it gets impressions and engagement. And all that stuff is fine and dandy, but it also there can be too much. There's a risk with that as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're the if you're the athletic director, you're constantly going to be have to wonder what is this guy doing? Uh, does his deal with Aflac? compete with any deals that we have right with, with our right. the official insurance sponsor of the colorado like all that type of stuff there's just a lot with it um for colorado the risk out you know the risk is it doesn't matter it, it, what are they going to do go one and 11 again and cause some headaches <laughs> um they're, they're a program that yes i i remember them being good right rashawn salam they, they sure. had a share of a national championship been they, a they've had they've been relevant in my lifetime but it's mm-hmm. been a long time. Mm-hmm. And so what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to go 1-11 and 11 again? All right. Well, they went 1-11, 2-10, 3-9, get rid of Dion, and they had some fun. And But for, for a little bit, they matter. And if that's the worst thing that happens at, at a program that's got a lot of issues to begin with, you know what? That's a risk worth taking. Um, and I think it would have been worth taking at USF as well if they could have made it work. Um, just because it's a little bit easier at that level, right? Where... That talent, you know, if you can get more talent in the rest, you got a huge step up. So, sure. And and Dion has has definitely rubbed some people the wrong way with with how he's handled his job at Colorado, where he goes in in the first team meeting, basically saying, "I'm going to run a bunch of you guys off because I, yeah. I got my baggage and and it's Louis Vuitton, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Every every coach has done that, not quite so um, <laughs> explicitly, and not with a bunch yeah. of cameras filming it, <laughs> right? Um. So I don't know. It, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to absolutely be fascinating because I still don't know if the guy could coach just because he had so much more talent than everybody else. Yeah, in Jackson that's true. Mm-hmm. And good on him for getting that. And, and I mean that because I, I, I say it all the time, right? The team with the most dudes usually wins. Yep, that's right. The problem's going to be at Colorado, even if he has a bunch of dudes, Washington's got dudes. Oregon's mm-hmm. got dudes. Mm-hmm. Oregon State doesn't have dudes, but they develop them and coach them and scheme them in a really, really good way. Um, shoot, Utah. Utah's got dudes, and they kick your butt in how they play. So the question is going to be, assuming he can get the dudes, and I think he can, can he develop them? Can he have the right kind of culture program? And can he X and O his way to beating a team, against, you know, a Utah that maybe this you know, Colorado in two years is more talented than Utah, but Utah plays really hard and plays really smart. That, that's the type of thing I just don't know because I don't have a track record yet on Dion to be able to gauge it. But that's going to be where he succeeds or fails. And I, I don't know how it's going to work. I do know it's going to be absolutely fascinating. 
<laughs> yeah, they're excited in the Rockies, I can tell you that. Um, and, and he's going to have a lot more to decide uh, besides whether to go for it on fourth down because those Pac-12 teams, he said, Dion says I'm coming, they're coming for him too. Um, you know, the, a win over Colorado will never feel so good as it does when they play Deion Sanders in the next few years. So uh, we'll see how that goes for him. Uh, okay, let's talk about Florida and what they're going to do, if anything, at quarterback. Certainly in the short term against Oregon State, this might be a problem. But Anthony Richardson has declared to play in the National Football League, or for the draft anyway. We'll see if he plays. Your thoughts about that decision and, and just where this leaves Florida right now? Because i got to believe that, one, he would have benefited from another year in college. We can get into that in a minute. But, two... I'm not. I'm not so sure they were completely convinced that that he wasn't going to be back. I mean, I this had to be a little bit of a surprise for him. I wasn't surprised. Um, I, I expected him to be gone. Um, you know, I, I wrote about it before. I think it was a South Carolina game, right? Is this going to be his last game at the swamp? And if you, yeah. I, I tried to kind of do it straight down the middle. But if you had given me truth serum, yeah, I, I would have said it would be. Um, okay. He is so talented, Rick, and we've talked about it. I mean. Shoot, I remember yeah. talking to you last year after the, the LSU game that, that Florida yeah. lost in, in Baton Rouge, and he had one throw. I think it was a, mm-hmm. a touchdown on the right side of the end zone. You were like, that's an NFL throw. And yeah, you, of course, we're correct. Um, but you can't teach 6'4", 230, 240. You can't yeah. te- teach his speed. You can't teach the power that he showed on the, on the, the I'm thinking of the uh, short yardage rush he had against Florida State. You can't teach that. You can't teach the arm strength. Somebody is yep. going to look at that and say, you know what? I cannot teach any of that. I can teach footwork. I can teach going through progressions, making the right reads, check, you know, emphasizing checking down if it's not there, telling him when to run. I can teach that stuff. And I've got a whole, I've got some really awesome clay to work with. I can make it work. So, look, I, I'm not an NFL draft guy. I, but realistically, I think he'll go in the first round. Um, I don't. I don't know when. Um, he, could he have helped himself? Yes, absolutely, um, with, with another year. Um, but, you know, if he's a first-round pick or a second-round pick, th- there's a risk by, by you know, going back for another year to try and get the top ten or whatever. There's a lot of no money question. to be made, of course. Um, yeah. But there's a risk with that. Maybe he just didn't work with the staff entirely well. Um, maybe the staff says, you know what, go get paid. We'll start over here. Um there's there's a lot of things a lot of factors in this um that so i i was not surprised uh i i again this is terrible radio but i don't know what's going to happen with him i could see it i mean he's just an ultimate boomer bus guy like i didn't think josh allen was going to be great in, in the league just because he was not at wyoming typically that's true. your accuracy that's true. doesn't improve you're, mm-hmm. you know a little bit here and there but if you're a 64 percent passer in college or a 64% passer in the NFL. There's not a lot of variance there, but Josh Allen changed that. Um, and, and that's a credit to him. So could Anthony be another Josh Allen? Yeah, absolutely. Could he also be a uh, Jameis Winston? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's just any number of ways that this could go. And I don't know how it's going to shake out with him. Um, I, I also, to me right now the more interesting thing is what the heck happens at florida right <laughs> where uh i know a lot of gator fans were kind of done with anthony i think just because of how inconsistent he was in 9 of 27 against florida state 
But then, yeah. you know, Jalen Kitna's uh, arrest on, on five uh, complaints related to child pornography, that's very relevant because their mm-hmm. backup quarterback is off the team. Um, yeah. Jack Miller is the third string quarterback, a transfer from Ohio State, who was, was you know, missed time early with a thumb injury. Um, I, I think he's healthy. We're going to get, as we're recording this, uh, what is today, Thursday? Thursday morning, we'll get an update from Billy Napier uh, later, but uh, if it's not him, then Kyle Ingle, the redshirt sophomore from well, walk on from St. Thomas Aquinas. Like, I, I don't know what their quarterback situation is, but I don't think it's going to be good. And, and Oregon State, not the most talented team in the country, but they are sound and solid on offense and defense. And then you factor in all the defections that the Gators have had to the portal and the draft and the fact that they're going to be on their third or fourth string quarterback. That Las Vegas Bowl is going to be something, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Las Vegas, you can gamble. I'd be, I'd be very careful about trying to pick the spread on this one because uh, with the, with their quarterback situation, it, it may get ugly at least this year. But I'll say that you know the thing about Richardson is he is very talented. Um, the lack of quarterbacking in the college level, like I, the fewer years you do it, that's where I think that there's sort of a struggle you know guys that haven't done it for very long in college and then come up to the nfl yeah you can can teach them but they they seem to benefit from from more games um played than than anything to be honest with you but you know you're you're from east gainesville and you've got a chance to make the, that kind of money and still be a first round pick i get it i totally get it and i wouldn't tell a guy what to do it's it's his situation and so he's moving up to this level and in the nfl we'll, we'll see how he does all right wrap it up on this uh for you uh, real quick, Matt. So we've got our college football championship team set. I don't think there's a surprise, even though there was uh, a loss by TCU in their championship game. But it's Michigan-TCU in the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve, Georgia-Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. you agree with those four teams? Do you like those matchups? I do agree with those four teams. I do like those matchups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could have made a case for, for Bama, I suppose, or, or Tennessee or USC, but Look, I think I think there, those were you, you. You look at the total body of work. I think they were the four best teams. I don't know that anybody's touching Georgia, but Ohio State's got talent, and, and and they've got you know if they're healthy, I think they'll have a puncher's chance. Um, so I, I think that's good. Um, Michigan clearly deserved to be in there, no question, no argument. TCU deserved to be in it too. Uh, I don't care that they they lost the Big Twelve championship game. I think it was a, a sign that. The current format is stupid. Where look at USC, where they because they had to play a conference championship game against a really good Utah team, they got knocked out. Whereas Ohio State didn't have to do it because they lost a game. Like I think that system is dumb. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad TCU wasn't penalized for, for losing to a top ten Kansas State team by inches in overtime. Um, just real fast, Max Duggan, the, the way he played. In the fourth quarter for TCU, the one drive he had, I don't know that that might have been the gutsiest drive I've ever seen by a quarterback. I don't think that's hyperbole because you Mm. could tell he had absolutely nothing left in the tank. He was on fumes and he Mm -hmm. and he willed his team to the touchdown and and the two point conversion. Just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable performance. Um, Again, I don't know that TCU's got the horses necessarily to hang with Michigan. Um, but their style of play is, is different than a lot of the teams that Michigan has faced and put it on a neutral field with a really good quarterbacks, good sure. receivers. 
I think that's an entertaining matchup. And, and I'm also glad that there's new blood in this, right? right I think right. If, if, you, if you said, Matt, you get to pick what type of teams we have in the playoff every year. I think you'd probably have three of the Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre mm-hmm. Dame, Oklahoma, those type of guys. But there needs yeah. to be at least one of the Cincinnati's or TCU. Somebody who, yeah, they're a name, but they're not a top 10 helmet, right? Um, yeah. So make it, you know, provide hope for everybody else that, hey, if TCU can do it, we can do it. And just some regional difference and that sort of thing. So I think it's a, I think it's a good playoff field. I, I think the matchups are going to be entertaining. I, again, I don't think anybody's touching Georgia. Um, but I think the committee got it right and good for them. And we'll see, uh, we'll see how all this stuff shakes out in the next couple of years when the playoff expands. Just, just one more thing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, if the playoff, if we were in the 12 team playoff era now, Florida state would have been on the bubble. I don't yeah. think we've talked about that. About I, that? I, I don't know how I feel about that. Do, do I think that Florida state would have had a, a legitimate chance of beating Georgia or Michigan? No, probably not. Um, but they were a really good team, and it would have been fun to see a Florida State play at uh, Georgia or, or you know whoever it is TCU. Sure, that would have been a fun matchup. Um, so that, that's just a little a little wrinkle in there. Um, and again, you look at like Utah, right? The way just how physically they play and the way they kind of got better over the course of the year. Nobody would want to play Utah <laughs> in the playoff, right? Um, so I, as I'm looking at this four-team playoff now, I'm also looking at what it might have been in, in, uh, when it when it expands well, in 24 and kind of licking my chops a little. Yeah, because I, I think in football in particular is was one of those sports where, you know, health is such a big part of it, right? But mm-hmm. in college football, what's always, what always dis, was disheartening was you lose a game in September and it knocks you out of any chance you have of getting to the national championship, which should not be the case because if you're playing the best ball at the end of the year – same as the NFL, those are the teams that um, got better during the season and, and can make a run. And I want to see one of those teams get that opportunity. I don't know that it'll happen. To your point, I don't know that Florida State would have beaten Georgia for gosh sakes, but there will be a team someday um, that you know might lose early, but then gets on a run and, and and looks as good as any team in the country. And, and you wouldn't want to play them. So that that's I'm glad they've expanded it. I'm glad it's coming sooner than later. And I think it'll make college football way more interesting. Okay, final thing, uh, the Heisman Trophy is going to be handed out soon. Um, not a big surprise with some of these selections. Caleb Williams, I think, is is the prohibitive favorite. Ohio State's C.J. Stroud is in there. Max Duggan, Duggan who you just mentioned. And then uh, a little bit of surprise. This is more of a lifetime achievement award. The guy's 25 years old, but Georgia Stetson Bennett got in on the table as well. Correct. Um, I was surprised to see Stetson on there. I don't know that he mm-hmm. was the best player on his team. I don't right. know that he was the best player on his offense. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, yeah. I cannot tell you who I vote for. We can talk about that next week if sure. you like. And sure. I'll, I'll uh, write something on TampaBay.com and in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. Um, sure. I, I came up with a list of 15 guys. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just really fast. No particular order. Uh, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young and Willie Anderson from Bama, Jordan mm-hmm. Travis made my short list. Okay. Brock Bowers, Jalen Carter, and Stetson Bennett from Georgia. Max like Duggan, that. we talked about from TCU. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. He, he is a like dude. Um, B. John Robinson, the Texas running back. Jalen Hyatt mm-hmm. and Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, right. Michael Penix, the Tampa kid from uh, the Washington quarterback. 
And Drake sure. May, the North Carolina quarterback. Th- that was okay. my short list I like it. to come, you know, mm-hmm. to whittle that down to three. And I will say that um, I had two of the finalists, but th- the third person on my ballot was not one of the finalists. Okay. So I interesting. I I, I and and I guess I'll also say when I sat down Monday morning to come up to submit my ballot, go through these guys. I thought I knew one too, but I ended up having it very different than how I thought. Wow. Okay. Well, that that's exciting. That and that story will will publish when on Saturday. Uh, Saturday night, right after they announce, and then it'll be in uh, Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. Beautiful. All right. Look for that. Matt Baker's breakdown of the Heisman Trophy, his picks, and all of that in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Matt, thanks so much. We appreciate your insights as always. We'll talk to you later. Sure. Thanks, Rick. All right. My thanks as always to Matt Baker. Looking forward to traveling to the Bay Area, the other Bay Area in San Francisco, San Jose, uh, you know, you name it. Um, we'll be there at Levi Stadium to watch the Bucks and the 49ers. That game Sunday at 425 should be a good one. We'll be back on Monday to talk about that uh, and anything else that happens over the weekend for sure. Thanks uh, for Matt Baker again. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.